You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Intelligence. Hello, my radio friends. I'm glad you've tuned in for another Give Me the Bible program. It's great to get your feedback and to hear that you really appreciate what you're learning via the radio. It's been a while since we presented a question and answer program, and I'm happy to do another one, but we need your questions. So if you have questions, why don't you phone, text or email those questions to our producer, Nick, and he will pass them on to me. Furthermore, if there's a topic that you'd like me to do, let us know. Whatever it is, let us know and we'll try to help. Today, I want to share with you on the topic, intelligence. Fairly recently, I was talking to a man who's a scientist. His special field of study is neurology, that is, the structures and functions of the nerves and brain. He's in the forefront of research and works in a a neurology lab in a well-known university in the United States. He told me of new discoveries about what happens when a nerve carries a signal, that is, when it fires, and what sort of processes take place to activate the cells to which the nerves are attached. And if I understand correctly what he told me, it requires a molecule of potassium to make the cell activate, but then it takes a molecule of sodium to cause the cell to relax again, ready to be reactivated. Most of what this scientist had to tell me went over my head, although I was fascinated with what he had to say. But what he said made a profound impression on me. I couldn't help thinking, this is so very, very complex. I wondered if people like this man ever question how all those complex structures and functions came about. Would they think that it came about on its own, completely unguided and without any intelligent input? Or is the body, its structure and mechanisms, the product of an intelligent design? When I think about what that neurologist told me, I find it impossible to believe that such an intricately complex living organism, such as the human body, could ever come about by a series of unplanned haphazard events. Everything is in the right place, and everything works as it should. Even as wonderful it is, the symbiosis, the independence of one part of the body, as with another, is even more remarkable. But then even more is to realise that every single cell is extremely extremely complex within itself. It has been said that one single cell is as complex as the city of New York. 
But then, even beyond the cell level, when one gets down to the molecular level, the complexity is so much greater again. It seems to me that some super being with super intelligence must have designed it all. The psalmist David wrote in Psalm 139.14, God, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works and that my soul knows full well. David was no neurophysiologist, but he recognised God as the creator. God made us, and he knew what he was doing. Stephen Hawking, the world-renowned theoretical physicist and cosmologist, was an atheist. He didn't believe in God, so he looked for other explanations of how the universe came to be. In his book, The Grand Design, he said that a great many universes were created out of nothing. On page 180, near the end of the book, Hawking said, Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Why the universe exists. Why we exist. It is not necessary to invoke God to light the, light the blue touch paper and set the universe going. Hawking's opinion about God is a theoretical opinion. He thought the laws of physics could explain the creation of the universe. Therefore, he said, there is no need to have a supreme being to create it. Hawking postulated that we do not need a God who is outside of space and time and who himself was created from nothing to create the universe. God, he said, is superfluous. So who's right? The Bible or Stephen Hawking? I just want to comment on two things from Hawking's statement. He said universes were created out of nothing. He said spontaneous creation is the reason that there is something rather than nothing. Now, I find this statement contradictory. If there was nothing, there was nothing. There could be no spontaneous creation because there was nothing. Hawking also stated that the laws of physics can explain the universe. But this has to be wishful thinking. If there was nothing... There were no laws of physics. Even supposing laws of physics existed, there would have been no matter for those laws to act upon. To take this argument one step further, Hawking is also reported to have said that the one ingredient for matter to form is gravity. But gravity is something, not nothing. And even if gravity existed before there was matter, gravity cannot exist without matter. I find Hawking's arguments circular. It means they're like saying it's windy today because it's windy. The one thing that Hawking and the Bible have in common is that planet Earth had a beginning. 
The Bible says that our planet and life came about because there was a pre-existent, powerful, intelligent God who made it. As simply simply stated in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Hawking is said to have had one of the greatest minds in human history, but I'm not sure his was an open mind. I get the feeling that Hawking, like many other evolutionists, was like a dog following a misleading scent trail. While on that trail, he was unwilling to recognise that it was the wrong trail. So he kept going and going, although the end would only be disappointment. And like Darwin, who did accept that there was a God, who he described as the principle of first cause, Hawking refused to acknowledge that there was an intelligent creator. Hawking used the expression spontaneous creation. Now, while this term sounds pretty clever, it's an oxymoron. Spontaneous implies happening on its own, without a cause. Creation, however, implies working from a plan, a design. Spontaneous creation then would mean happening without cause but working to a plan. Well, I don't know if you've worked that out, but that's a totally contradictory assertion. This spontaneous creation idea, like the flat world idea, has been around for a long time, but that doesn't make it right. By various means, the spontaneous creation notion is being shoved down our throats. It claims that matter and life came into existence on its own by chance. You know, it takes an enormous amount of faith to believe that, as of course no one has ever observed it happening. Despite the orderliness and the extreme complexity of living organisms, we are constantly being told that life and living creatures came about by haphazard chance over long periods of time. The theory, the postulation, is unreasonable. Evolution, to me, is like a sieve pretending to be a bucket. The fact is that evolutionists believe in evolution because they want to. It's their desire at all costs to explain the origin of everything without a creator. Evolution is therefore an atheistic religion. Some may prefer to call it humanism, and the New Age evolutionists place it in the context of some form of pantheism, but they all amount to the same thing. Whether atheism or humanism or pantheism, the purpose is to eliminate a personal God from any active role in the origin of the universe and all its components, including man. To be a Bible-believing Christian 
and to accept evolution is also a contradiction. Some Christians, unable to reconcile what the Bible says and the teachings of evolution, have come up with a compromise known as theistic evolution. This belief says, yes, at the beginning, God set the wheels turning and then allowed life to take on its own various forms over millions and millions of years. Theistic evolutionists accept only a small part of the creation account as recorded in the first chapters of the Bible. That small part is that in the beginning God made, and that's where they stop. But they completely ignore the account where it goes on to say that what God made was complete with both male and female. Here's an example. Genesis 1.21 says, And God created great whales and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. There is no mention of God partially creating something and then letting it develop into something different. We're going to stop and we'll go on straight afterwards. Well, the Bible tells us about a man who ruled Babylon and all its land. Around the city he built a wall and declared that Babylon would never fall. He had concubines and wives, he called his Babylon paradise. On his throne he drank and ate, but for Belshazzar it was getting late. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand. The people feasted and drank their wine And praised the false gods of his time All holy things they scorned and mocked But suddenly all their mocking stopped For on the wall there appeared a hand Nothing else, there was no man In blood the hand began to write And Belshazzar couldn't hide his fright For he was weighed in the balance And found wanting His kingdom was divided Couldn't stand he was weighed in the balance and found wanting His houses were built upon the sand Well, no one around could understand What was written by the mystic hand Belshazzar tried but couldn't find A man who could give him peace of mind But Daniel the prophet, a man of God He saw the writing on the wall in blood Belshazzar asked him what it said And Daniel turned to the wall and read My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand You're weighed in the balance and found wanting your houses are built upon the sand
Another argument against theistic evolution is that in the Bible's creation account, definite time periods are mentioned. Evening, morning, first day, second day, and so on. As far as I'm concerned, you either believe the Bible or you don't. Apart from the sheer complexity of living organisms, including bacteria, fish, insects, reptiles, birds and mammals, it's worth considering where the basis for belief in evolution and creation are sourced. Of course, belief in creationism is based on what the Bible says. But the question then arises, is the Bible completely trustworthy? We've dealt with this in some earlier programs in Give Me the Bible series. But I want to reiterate now that the Bible is a book that can be completely trusted. It tells about both the natural and the supernatural, and it explains origins, about the future, and about a beautiful God who made and redeemed man and wants the company of man. The Bible is a book that, because of its age, can well be described as the primary source that is the most valuable and accurate source of information. The Bible ascribes its inspiration not to man but to God, and that's explained in 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So where did the belief in evolution come from? Well, it was a man-made theory, based principally on the ideas of Charles Darwin, and since has been developed and changed by others. While the Bible account remains firm and unchanged, the evolution theory keeps changing with this interpretation and then another and so on. Personally, I think Satan is behind evolution and forcefully promotes it for the prime purpose of removing God from the minds of people. To begin today's talk, I was telling you about the complexities of systems within living organisms. Systems that are so detailed and so finely tuned that it's impossible to explain their existence in terms that they came about by haphazard, undesigned, random chance. I once saw a documentary about all the separate necessary events to happen for a woman to become pregnant. There is a strict order of what happens, and if any one of those things does not happen, then the pregnancy doesn't happen. When I saw that documentary, I was astounded at the complexity and order. And like what the neurologist said about the new research he's involved in, I marvelled. At the same time, I concluded that this could never happen by chance. I can't explain in detail each of the nine or ten steps, but I can share with you about the hormones the body produces 
to achieve a successful pregnancy. Again, it's very complex. Without those hormones producing the necessary changes, pregnancy fails. There is powerful evidence of intelligent design in just pregnancy and childbirth. The ten hormones mainly produced by the liver, the chemical factory of the body, has have been identified as, firstly, FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, and it's the first to launch the pregnancy and is present even before conception. Then we have number two, LH, luteinizing hormone. It works together with the first one to control a menstrual cycle. The third one is HCG, human chorionic gonadotrophin. When the egg meets the sperm, this one steps in to increase the production of estrogen and progesterone. It also suppresses the immune system to support the growing baby. Number four is estrogen. Estrogen helps the uterus grow and regulates the production of other key hormones and it triggers the development of the baby's organs. Number five is progesterone. Progesterone encourages the breast tissue growth and later helps soften ligaments and cartilage to prepare for labour. Number six is called relaxin. This hormone relaxes the muscles, bones, ligaments and joints in preparation for labour. Number seven is PGF or placental growth factor. By promoting blood vessel growth, this hormone supports the increased blood volume necessary to nourish the baby. Then comes HPL, human placental lactogen. It prepares the breasts to breastfeed. It's produced by the placenta to adjust the body's metabolism to feed the baby. And then comes oxytocin. Although it's present throughout the pregnancy, this muscle-contracting hormone is mostly known for stimulating labour contractions. Number 10 is prolactin. This hormone causes the breasts to increase in size and eventually produce milk. Here and almost everywhere when you examine things in detail, the, el- the evidence of intelligent design is overwhelming. For me, there is no question. Man and all living organisms have been designed and brought into being by an intelligent and powerful designer, God. This same God who made us, redeemed us, and wants our company forever. My friends, the Bible is true and trustworthy. It gives an account of origins and reveals how you and I can be saved. It promises eternal life to those who accept what God has done for us. It promises that we will have the company 
of this marvellous, intelligent, powerful God forever, where we'll not have to suffer bad health, pain, sorrow and death anymore. We will be able to live in total harmony, peace and joy. And that's really something, and I look forward to it. My hope for you is that you will understand the intelligence and power of our Creator, and that you too will make it your business to be in God's kingdom too. So until next time, my friends, I wish you much peace, much hope, and much joy. Shall we gather at the river Where bright angels' feet have trod With its crystal tide forever Flowing from the throne of God Yes, we will gather at the river The beautiful, the beautiful river Gather with the saints at the river That flows by the throne of God Soon we'll reach the shining river Soon our pilgrimage will cease Soon our happy hearts will quiver With the melody of peace Yes, we will gather at the river The beautiful, the beautiful river Gather with the saints at the river That flows by the throne of God Yes, we will gather at